Go on, he said. Sit down. She lowered herself back slowly in, into the chair, watching him all the time with those large, bewildered eyes. He had finished the second drink and was staring down into the glass, frowning. Listen, he said. I've got something to tell you. What is it, darling? What's the matter? He had become absolutely motionless and he kept his head down so that the light from the lamp beside him fell across the upper part of his face, leaving the chin and mouth in shadow. She noticed there was a little muscle moving near the corner of his left eye. This is going to be a bit of shock to you, I'm afraid, he said. But I've thought about it a good deal and I've decided the only thing to do is tell you right away. I hope you will not blame me too much. And he told her. It didn't take long, four or five minutes at most, and she sat very still through it all, watching him with a kind of dazed horror as he went further and further away from her with each word. So there it is, he added, and I know it's kind of a bad time to be telling you, but there simply wasn't any other way. Of course I'll give you money and see you're looked after, and there need not really be any fuss. I hope not anyway. It wouldn't be very good for my job. Her first instinct was not to believe any of it, to reject it all. It occurred to her that perhaps he hadn't even spoken, but she herself had imagined the whole thing. Maybe if she went about her business and acted as though she had not been listening, then later, when she sort of woke up again, she might find none of it had ever happened. I'll get a supper, she managed to whisper, and this time he didn't stop her. When she walked across the room, she couldn't feel her feet, touching the floor. She couldn't feel anything at all except a slight nausea and a desire to vomit. Everything was automatic now down the stairs to the cellar, the light switch, the deep freeze, the hand inside the cabinet taking hold of the first object it met. She lifted it out and looked at it. It was wrapped in paper, so she took off the paper and looked at it again, a leg of lamp. All right then, they would have lamp for supper. She carried it upstairs, holding the thin bond end of it with both her hands, and as she went through the living room, she saw him standing over by the window with his back to her, and she stopped. For God's sake, he said, hearing her, but not turning around. Don't make supper for me, I'm going out. At that point, Mary Melanie simply walked up behind him, and without any pause, she swung the big frozen leg of lamb high in the air, and brought it down as hard as she could on the back of his head. She might just as well have hit him with a steel club. She stepped back a pace, waiting, and the funny thing was that he remained standing there for at least four or five seconds, gently swaying. Then he crashed to the carpet. The violence of the crash, the noise, the small table overturning helped bring her out of the shock. She came out slowly, feeling cold and surprised, and she stood for a while blinking at the body, still holding the ridiculous piece of meat tight with both hands. All right, she told herself, so I've killed him. It was extraordinary now how clear her mind became all of a sudden. She began thinking very fast. As a wife of a police detective, she knew quite well what the penalty would be. That was fine, it made no difference to her. In fact, it would be a relief. On the other hand, what about the child? What were the laws about murderers with unborn children? Did they kill them both, mother and child? 
or did they wait until the 10th month? What did they do? Mary Malini did not know, and she certainly wasn't prepared to take a chance. She carried the meat into the kitchen, placed it in a pan, turned the oven on high, and shoved it inside. Then she washed her hands and ran upstairs to the bedroom. She sat down before the mirror, tidied her face, touched up her lips and face. She tried a smile. It came out rather peculiar. She tried yet again. Hello, Sam, she said brightly, aloud. The voice sounded peculiar too. I want some potatoes, please, Sam. Yes, and I think a can of peas. That was better. Both the smile and the voice were coming out better now. She rehearsed it several times more. Then she ran downstairs, took a coat, went out the back door, down the garden, into the street. It wasn't six o'clock yet and the lights were still on in the grocery shop.